So, I'm here in Andalusia, Spain, with Trixie Bloom, the author of Facebook Blues, a new novel that mixes technology with romantic comedy. Hi Trixie, great to finally catch up with you. You're so infamous. You're not an easy woman to pin down, you know. <laughs> what, literally? <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. Um... <laughs> Hello. Hello. Um, well, I just wanted to find out, really, if you could tell me a bit about what it is that makes Facebook Blue special. Um, mm. uh, I would say that I was extremely lucky about what makes this book stand out. I didn't try to come up with a gimmick. It wasn't like I sat there and thought, okay, I need to sell this book. How am I going to do it in a different way? It literally came to me. And as I started writing the book, it just evolved. It unfurled. I like that word. I don't know why. It's, uh, um, the music became part of the story, and I thought, wow, this could might be pretty cool, actually, to incorporate, intertwine, if you like, the music content and the reading content. I mean, I know the book industry is suffering. Nowadays, it's the world of technology. People have their smartphones and their iPhones, their gadgets that they can do everything on. They read ebooks. I mean, I read stuff on my phone, and it's really nice to create something. I think, I think that's new. I mean, um, there's been children's books before with music in, and you can open a card and hear a recording of someone singing "Happy Birthday" to you. But this is actually incorporated into the story it's actually a part of the story embedded uh, as a qr code which i had no idea what that was in the beginning actually in the paperback or as a web link in the ebook it makes the reader feel like they're actually part of the story there is let me explain slightly there is a poem in the story which becomes the song and it and it's actually sung by the fantastic Frankie Bubbles, who really couldn't have been better to sing the song, Thank You Frankie. And I just thought, wow, I'm, imagine if the reader just for once could actually listen to the song exactly at the same time as the characters listen to it in the story. So the reader's also listening to a song created purely for the book and I thought that would make the reader really feel part of the story. It's literature integrated with technology. You can, again, as I said, scan the code in the book so the song can play on the phone. It just blows my mind away that you can do that nowadays, but you can. Or you can type quickly type in a web address from the book into your phone or onto your computer, any device to listen to the song. Again, my mind's just boggling to the expansiveness of it all. Uh, it, but it's just great. It's that combination of the old style mixed in with the new that I found really, really exciting. I just loved it and it made it really complete for me. Probably what does make the book different as is that it is something that i don't think has ever been done before i mean i don't really know obviously songs have been written for films there are songs that are in the films or applicable to film that you're watching and i know that a playlist in a book has been done before but has an original song ever been intertwined into the book 
and with technology helping you to become a part of it I don't know I mean I'd like to find out really has it been done before I love to gain knowledge from reading and I like technology I'm not a bit of a technophobe maybe but hey we've got to roll with it really haven't we so it's just it's just exciting be very interesting to find out how the readers feel about it when they discover it nice um okay so what's what what is actually the story behind facebook blues then what is the plot um the story is well basically what happens when you chase your past go looking for things that you are yearning for missing basically it came from an idea of how many people have looked up their exes on facebook probably everybody or nearly everybody i think very few people haven't i don't know why people do it everybody does it for different reasons i personally if i was really honest just want to see how well they're doing or how they how they have they aged well are they rich very shallow <laughs> but that is my full that's probably my thought my, what i'm thinking first uh, um and but you know you know but there are certain exes i suppose that are very close to you very pacific exes and basically i was looking at one of my exes that got me thinking i saw everything about his entire life i mean everything it was literally like a the story as if you were camping out in their own back garden i knew where he lived i knew how many kids he had i knew a lot of his information where he worked and then the idea just basically stemmed from that i started to have dreams about what would happen if you actually went to where they lived but they didn't know obviously you were just turning up on their doorstep literally oh hi after 20 years and hi how are you how are you doing kind of thing and the characters have definitely evolved as i've written the book i couldn't tell you now i couldn't lay it out word for word what the synopsis is going to be for the next two because i it is a trilogy it's i have some ideas in my head and it just evolves as i go along and the characters have definitely evolved as i've written the book i couldn't tell you now lay it out word for word what the synopsis is going to be for the next two it is a trilogy because i don't know until i finish writing it, they they just come out of nowhere and evolve and i think great that that's definitely a key for that character characters i would say like lauren and nick they were definite they were the main characters and i kept dreaming about them mostly and then the other characters developed after and it just came from from all stemming from that wicked so when did you first actually start writing I actually started writing about four and a half years ago. Facebook Blues is my first ever novel. Um, but I've never actually had a story in my head before. Maybe I've had short stories fleetingly, but never a full novel. I mean, I couldn't have, I wouldn't have classed myself as a writer. People have said to me, oh, I didn't know you could write. And I've said, well, neither did I. I would have never thought 
that I had the patience to sit down and write, especially with a pen and paper, the old fashioned way, because I'm not the most patient person in the world, <laughs> definitely. And, but it was just, <laughs> but it just had to come out. I was, I was chomping at the bit and my pen was overtaken. There was no choice. I was getting up in the middle of the night. It was insane. It, it, just had to, it had to come out and the only way to release it was to sit down and start writing it but I kind of opened a gateway and I've, it's definitely got my creative juices flowing now and and the other two books have formed extremely quickly again along with various short stories definitely more involved more creative than before and possibly of a completely different nature I'm just scribbling a lot at the moment it's there's nothing concrete yet until I actually get the other two books published. I've got a lot of work here, a lot of work ahead of me, and I can start considering other writing projects, maybe short articles. But in, my mind is finally open now, and it's just filling, it's writing. I mean, I really like reading Catherine Cookson. She didn't start writing, I believe, until she was like 46. And I mean, the woman was just amazing. How many books did she write? It was phenomenal, to be honest. You know, at 46, you suddenly get the muse. Where did that come from? How did it begin for her? It's very interesting. It's that kind of like that for me. It just came to me at this particular age. I don't know if age has anything to do with it. But my mind has definitely changed on a natural chemical level. And it's been a catalyst for my writing, I, I'm sure. That's great. Okay then, well, dish the dirt. Are there any potential <laughs> prickly points of contention? Hmm. Um, yes, good question. Uh, hopefully I've created a lot of points of contention within the book. It has lots of issues which I hope challenge, um, make people think, make people talk. It's not just your giggly, hair flick, girly, sassy walk, high heels kind of thing. It's a romantic comedy with slight twist. It's quite light, but I've added some definite, definite mind twisters in there. I mean, the age gap, it always seems that will definitely be, I think, the biggest one. It always seems to be okay when the man when the man's older than the girl, but if it's the other way around, ooh, you know, people seem to have a little bit of trouble with that. And also with Lauren's dizziness at her age, mm -hmm. well, <laughs> I've met many women in their late 30s and early 40s that are completely giggly and silly and don't seem to have evolved past their teenage years. And yeah, they can still be acting like that. And I've known many people like that, all these characters are a mishmash of a lot of different people I've met over my life, luckily. I've been enriched with these people. So it's definitely, hopefully, not just your run-of-the-mill, average, comedic romance. I mean, for example, also Facebook stalking, definitely one of the major contentions, you know, online stalking the fact that people can easily do this the fact that you can go and just look at everybody's information and find out everything about them and their entire lives i mean it's quite scary and it's definitely alerted me to my own privacy vulnerabilities who's watching me is action 
it's action provoking. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't just get up and do what they want or follow their dreams or just suddenly think, yeah, bollocks to this, you know, I'm off. That kind of thing. I'm going to go and follow my heart. And a lot of people wouldn't like that either. There are issues. Uh, drugs. Drugs are addressed in a recreational human way and are enjoyed. Ooh rather than abused apart from alcohol which leads to all kinds of pickles relationships without the classic 2.4 kids model and there's some other things as well which i'm not going to mention at the moment because they are major part of the sequel and it would just give too much away the drugs that are mentioned in the book definitely will also be the contention for the very fact that they are not singled out <laughs> as <laughs> being bad for you mm. uh, um, don't do it in fact it's the opposite even to the point of euphoria and people's lives running quite normally even though they do drugs and everybody's very happy no scathingness against them in fact the point of contention against them is is alcohol which personally I I find I abhor I just don't like it at all I don't like what it does to people half a glass of wine maybe with dinner but mm -hmm. people can't seem to get a grip on it and I'm not judging people or being snobby it's just my view it's just not good for me it does nothing for my brain it just lets it soak in a pickling jar sitting there rotting I also think the rebellious side of me which is huge has fought against the literary rules and I've done some styles that I've wanted to do and broken some rules i think as long as it's readable then you want the general public to know writers are human where it kind of seems that everybody's in these bubbles now of perfectness and we don't all live in a perfect punctuated world and this is something i wanted to get across that i struggle definitely with literacy and grammar definitely soft drugs Drugs generally, people are, walking around. Drugs generally in Spain <coughs> are, are in the culture. You know, everyone here is walking around off their chops pretty much all the time. Every everyone, it's it's part of the culture to, you know, whatever wine, weed, uh, cheese, cheese, everything. Fermented cheese has got alcohol in, surely. It's true though, though. Because it'll get you. But, it, yeah. but it's true. They're <laughs> off the head, and, and no one cares. You know. <laughs> The Guardia, the Guardia are driving by, you know, the, the police, and, and, and it's not a problem. Everyone's off their head in the street and in the bars and whatever, and it's fine. It's cool. Yeah. You know, it's not violent. It's not aggressive sort of culture, but yeah, every, everyone is off their head, and it's <clears> nothing <throat> to be ashamed of, no. really, basically. No. That's a good thing. Crack them out, Paco. We've got a big night ahead of us. Yeah, anyway. Right, so... Tell me, is Facebook Blues actually based on truth or true events, perhaps? <laughs> uh, no, it is definitely not based on truth. I could never imagine myself doing that. Yeah, I can be very spontaneous, but not in that kind of way where I'd want to rush off. I'm definitely a firm believer in moving forward, facing the future, embracing it. Why would you want to chase the past? Uh, the past is the past for a good reason. 
And it's just delusional, isn't it, to look through rose-coloured glasses, you know, to think that something that wasn't good for you then might be good for you now. I mean, what would change in all that time? You've just got to keep moving forward. I would never do that, which is why I do not identify with the main character. I, I, There are many tiny threads of me, nuances of me, I think it would probably be normal especially when you first start writing maybe fine threads of you do come out in certain you know certain of your characters because you've just started writing or some it never happens I don't know I've never written a book before so I wouldn't know probably comedic wise I would say definitely I'm coming through because that's my kind of comedy I like mm -hmm. to think of myself as being not quite so accident prone and and airheaded and airheaded and my protagonistic no and airheaded as my protagonist and airheaded as my protagonist although a lot of people and a lot of my friends would probably disagree with you on that because i do give a very <laughs> good impression of being quite dizzy myself yeah you do as i have just proven yep. <laughs> But I would hope at this age I've definitely conquered a lot of my fears. I suppose I'm on that level now. There's no way I would just down tools and go rushing off into the sunset, you know, without, you know, any rhyme or reason, you know, on a whim. And I think things, as I say, should stay in the past. I mean, there is a reason it should stay there. Marvellous. <laughs> That's marvellous, thank you. Um, <laughs> oh dear. So you are funny, yes. You have, an inf you have an infamous reputation as a comedian. You must have known you were going to write a comedy. Uh, no, uh, I had uh, no idea I was going to write a comedy. I didn't even know I was going to write a book. So let alone a comedy. You, you know, I don't consider myself hilarious or ultra funny sometimes everybody around me seems to but that's normal because I'm moaning or bitching about something in my own unique style which is not to everyone's taste obviously but I had no idea I was going to write a comedy none whatsoever I mean if people say oh you're funny aren't you you wouldn't sit there saying yeah I am I'm really <laughs> funny or say to people, did you know how funny I am? I'm hilarious, just wait. Or people say to you, oh, you're funny, aren't you? Say something funny, make me laugh. It's just, I hate that. Uh, you know, I'm not a performing monkey. I don't class myself as being hilarious. I know it can be witty, but I know it can be annoying. My wit can, is very unique to me and doesn't f follow anybody else's kind of pattern. All of the comedians and comedic series that I've seen over the years, I love comedy. I watch a lot of comedy. I would never ever say who's influenced me because I've watched so many. There's so many talented comedians and artists out there that are just creating comedy i love it i saturate it i suck it up that would be my choice of preference over absolutely every genre i could get it's comedy 
and over the years there's just been amazing amazing comedy and how to pinpoint who or what's the most funniest thing ever ever i mean it's just impossible how over the thousands and thousands of comedic moments could you pinpoint one single moment two minute sketch or recording that made you laugh that made that much i mean people say oh i pissed myself well i've never pissed myself or shat myself i can safely <laughs> say you know you're at the cinema you know that, and you found I something that funny not. that you soiled yourself you couldn't leave you couldn't get up you know because you no i never had that no i i, I don't think i've ever known anyone like that either you know i've, I've never been around my friend's house and urinated on their sofa through laughing so much i mean you wouldn't get asked back would you or done a poo no it would be virtually impossible to do that how could you it's just <laughs> and 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 to choose you know from thousands of moments it's i've been influenced by fantastic people and that has definitely influenced my writing i would say to pick somebody or a moment that would be very very difficult very very difficult Fair enough. Sunflower. Oh, oh, it's a rat. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, that was good. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <coughs> pork wine we drank last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, special of, special of Andalusia. <laughs> I pork wine. I don't think. Oh I'm, yeah. I'm not going to order that again. They get the pigs. <laughs> And they kill them. You just hang them over your glass. <laughs> hang them over your glass. <laughs> That's it. I'm and not... mix it with the grape juice. It's f***ing lovely. Oh! <laughs> it's stunning. Oh. Mm. oh, you haven't had nothing till you've had pork wine. I tell you. I might have a little one. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, you have one. Go on. <laughs> oh, dear. Ask me the goddamn question. Okay, I know I'll ask you the question. <laughs> yeah, well, the question that's on everyone's lips. <laughs> what made you want to become an indie author and self-publish? Uh, okay, again, to be totally honest, I didn't know what an indie author was up until two years ago when I started looking into the literary world. The whole thing was completely new to me. I mean, brand new. I thought... Probably it would be best to go to a publisher as I didn't know where to start, what to do. So I started looking into agents and sent off some inquiry emails, uh, which I had to Google to see the current format that they like you to send. Basically introducing the story, what your book's about, that kind of thing. So the more I looked, the more I became appalled that even... Even if your inquiry had old-fashioned grammar and punctuation, because maybe you'd say you'd gone to school 50 years ago, because, you know, language changes and grammar changes, they wouldn't even entertain you. They wouldn't even look at your story. So being slightly dyslexic myself, I found this incredibly frustrating. How can you possibly even present yourself if they won't even look under the surface? So I began to talk to my partner, who knows a lot about computers, and we decided to basically publish media ourselves. 
we know that it's much harder work and that you have to do all the marketing yourself like marketing marketing bloody marketing basically there's one word and it's marketing oh yeah you <laughs> you know you can have the best product in the world and if nobody knows you're there well it doesn't make a shit of difference doesn't matter so we basically it's the marketing and making web presence so we thought yeah let's do it we'll go down that route we're going to self-promote we're going to become an indie publisher and it's not that i'm trying to rise above it or that i think i'm better i'm not i'm just trying to do it in a new and creative manner trying to apply a unique style for my products i mean i.e let's this is where the com comedy sketches come from that I do on YouTube and my author blog and articles uh, that I've just started writing as well, all comedic uh, about subjects, topics, uh, basically free videos, sketches, that kind of thing, which I think is a unique way, quite quite a good way to publicise your book. It's if you're funny in real life or your sketches are, hopefully it comes across to people that you're going to be funny in your writing. I think this has been done before, obviously in different ways, and also it's nice to have control over your products. I think if you, if I had given it to a literary agent, they definitely would have made quite big changes to it. And I am versatile, quite versatile, but there are certain changes I would have adamantly been against, and I'm sure there would have been wranglements over that. So that also appealed to me to that part that fact that I had that control and I released the book as I wanted it to be released. Well done. Good on you. Thank you. So I've got to ask you the classic literary question. What is your writing process? Yes. <laughs> um, it seems to be quite a favourite, that question. That is, isn't it? Yes. And, and there is no process, I'm sorry to say. My writing process... There is no process. Completely erratic. As I have said, I'm a complete newbie to all this. I literally grab the time as as the muse comes over me. It could be in the middle of the night when I wake up, in the middle of the afternoon, before I go to sleep. I mean, maybe that will change when I can calm myself and take myself to a lovely place on my lovely little piece of land and just sit and think right this is my writing time and have that control over it whereas at the moment it just comes yes and I have to write right 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 so basically that is my writing process I mean the environment I would say is more important to the process in a way maybe because Without the right conditions, how can you even begin the process? Oh. I live where I live is stunningly beautiful and calm. It is beautiful up here. Thank you. It is. It's really beautiful. And I'm up in the mountains. I have no neighbours. It's deep in nature. Very tranquil. You can just sit and look. And I'm sure that has inspired my stories. Otherwise, there's no way I could have had the the space. Mm. Wouldn't ha I wouldn't have allowed my brain to have the space for the story to come into it because other environments have just been too chaotic. I can 
literally be anywhere in the mountains and just sit on a rock and write. I could probably even write on the back of a donkey going <laughs> along because it's, it is that beautiful and calm here. Sure. Maybe different writing processes apply if you live in a city. I, I don't know, but personally, I don't think Facebook Blues would have come out had it not been for my environment. So I don't really put too many other conditions on it. I don't have to say, well, I have to sit at my magic brown desk with my special pen that I've had since I was seven, <laughs> or I can't write if the moon's not in its full phase and my car, cat hasn't licked cat hasn't licked my face <laughs> I don't think too many self-imposed conditions can probably stifle you again I'm a newbie at all this I can only go on what I like really so it's definitely the surroundings the calmness and nature mm -hmm. also I can't afford to put too many conditions on my writing process because I live in a very very small dwelling teetering on the side of a mountain as you can see with no electricity, completely off-grid. It's true. <laughs> no drinking water, no running water, a rusty old solar panel, probably 30 years old from when they were first invented, with an old car battery. And away you go. It's That's my power. Well, when I started to write, we didn't even have that. So it was pen and paper, the good old-fashioned way. Well, pen, pencil, crayon, you know, finger dipped in my own blood to write it down if it had to come out, that kind of scenario. So really, it would be difficult for me to say, yeah, I have to have all these things in place for me to be able to write. So just literally, as long as I can sit down and I've got quiet and I've got something to write with, then away I go. Mm -hmm. I mean, nowadays, I must admit, I've got a smartphone and I can write on that, which is a revelation for me. I've only just got it. It's like, wow, technology. I remember staring at it for ages when I first got it. I'm way behind. I, I don't have a television. Um, I have a wind-up radio. I don't really know what's happening in the outside world much of the time. Although I do get filled in by friends, but I do find mainstream news takes over your brain. It muffles my creativity, yet things are tragic out there and horrible. And there are things happening in the world that we should be aware of, but television would consume me. I've got to watch 15 soaps every week and the reruns at the weekend and try and write while worrying about what's happening to 30,000 people killed here, there and everywhere and being blown up and who's going to maybe start a war. I couldn't imagine myself writing with all that floating around in my head, all that worry. I do worry, you know, when I see that kind of thing. It's um, So it's definitely my kind of way of living. It's the only way to live, <laughs> surely. <laughs> I think it seems to me <laughs> yes uh, we've got Freddy the goat who lives next door that he can be a bit noisy at times <laughs> but I, I don't think he really disturbs me it's super tranquil around here super yeah. tranquil yes yeah we've got to ask 
What were your childhood influences, the first stories that you ever read? Oh, that's easy. That that one is easy, that one. is. Um, my grandmother often read to me when I was a very small child lots of different stories, but the one that I predominantly remember and which are still sitting on my shelves in my house are Enid Blyton, the folk of the Faraway Trees series. It just transformed me as, as a six-year-old. All the characters and the different lands that come to the top of the tree and the children in the country. I, I lived in the country with my grandmother, so I just loved it. I loved every part of it. I mean, even as an adult now, I do like mystical films and TV, sorcery, witches, wizards, that kind of thing. Vampires definitely as well also, <laughs> but that's worlds apart from Enid Blyton. I do have all the... Animal ones, Mrs. Puddle Ducks, etc. Mrs. P Pickle Dick. No, not Mrs. Pickle Dick. Again, that's my dislike. Mrs. Pickle Dick. Oh, <laughs> um, sorry. Again, my I don't know that Enid Blyton title. <laughs> no, that's my. Uh, again. <laughs> My dyslexia rearing its little head, coming through. It's more look, of a Freudian slip, isn't it, surely? Maybe making me look, uh, yes, <laughs> look a complete idiot if uh, we keep that in. Uh, it's Mrs. Puddle Duck. <laughs> yes, Mrs. Puddle Duck. I know. And uh, I like them immensely, but The Folk of the Faraway Tree is definitely by far my favourite. I've read it hundreds of times. At the time, it just completely took me away, withdrew me from this, my childhood situation. And I think even now it's probably a good book when you're not actually sitting on a train going to work or worrying about who's going to do the washing up or the shopping this week. It just takes you out of your environment and that you're a child again. And it seems to me it is... It is, it's a great book. I, I would say I loved it. I, I just loved it. Okay, so when you're not flying around in the faraway tree, what do you do in your spare time? When I'm not writing, I love to be at home. I, I really do. I have a t t very tiny piece of land with a very tiny world. You couldn't call it a house, really. It's just... <laughs> I like to spend as much time there as I can. It's really calming. It probably sounds really crappy and boring, but it's great. I grow vegetables and herbs, and I can just sit and be and watch shepherds with their sheep just look down the valley far off mountains or towards Morocco. It's it's amazing. And, and basically, when I'm not doing that, I just love to go out. I love to go out clubbing. I'm a massive club head festival head when i'm in spain i love to go fiestering and I, I love the spanish people for their fiesta mentality they they've got it sewn up the spanish believe life is for living it's for celebrating as well why bloody work 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 uh, the british mentality of work ethic is quite different i have to i have to work but you know in spain they love their fiestas i love my fiestas so does my partner so we make an effort to go out a lot as much as we can we'll club or go to the middle of a field as long as there's a, a bass pin we'll be there ding 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 we like all different types of music not so keen on heavy metal but i can pretty much jump about to anything i love to dance need to dance 
for me it's a spiritual thing I'm healing myself I'm really stressed and it's exercise it's great exercise for me I go running and working out all forms of exercise but dancing is by far the most pleasurable um, and exercise doesn't come naturally to me whereas dancing does I love to dance and I just go out, shake it all out, and get all the energy, release the energy, and it just clears my head, and you know, just, you know, life is more than just work, work, work. If I don't feel like I'm getting out to play, dancing and enjoying myself, then what's the point of it? it I, I mean, shit. That's when you, you, you just battery cell. It'd be like you're in the matrix. You're just like doing it for the man not for yourself just don't let don't be used try to have some time for yourself good advice great philosophy so what are you working on next i'm at the moment working on the sequel to facebook blues it's a trilogy actually so i've got a bit of a way to go i've actually just started the sequel and at the moment i'm writing that I'm also going to do a fun Trixie Bloom workout book with handy health advice and exercise tips. I am a teacher, uh, I suppose, uh, an all-round teacher of exercise, really. Of, and when I'm here, I do good classes at the local gym for aerobics, circuit training, that kind of thing. I love working out. I love the endorphins. It makes me feel great gives me a drilling in rush mm. so when I do the exercise books the exercises will be safe real exercises and with com comedy in it the comedy is not in the actual exercises they have to be done properly and safely but the tips will be fun and it will be for free just to promote the comedy I've also been writing articles as well which I've I can I love writing quick articles again comedic and and I'm thinking about the next, the third book, also in the Miss Adventures of Femme Hotel series. So I'm, I'm quite busy at the moment. She's like a human dynamo. Ah. So the, the next two parts in the Miss Adventures of a Femme Fatale series. Mm, yes. Yeah, that's what you're doing next as well. Yes, yes, uh, yes, that's, it is what I'm doing next. I haven't really thought beyond the trilogy at the moment. I can say the next two are definitely comedic. Beyond that, I don't really know what I will write. Although I have had some ideas, maybe some spin-offs, you know, spin-off stories from the characters that are in the trilogies. I thought that might be quite fun. I love comedy. As I say, it's always comedy for me first I cannot see myself writing something serious I just I just don't know I, I think I, I don't know if I have that in me but again I, I, I'm open to my brain just absorbing stuff and, and having ideas I, I didn't even know it was, I had three the three books in me so who knows what the future holds there's definitely lots and lots of stuff, lots of ideas bouncing around, especially with my partner. We, you know, he's very good at comedy. Also, we make, we can do comedic sketches together, and really bounce off each other in that way. Who, who knows? Something small, small programming even with comedy sketches. My brain is so diverse, and I go off on such massive tangents that I'm sure some pretty 
maybe some really good stuff would come out of it. Excellent. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Marvellous. Okay, so the other classic question, what would be your Desert Island books? Huh. Um, it's very difficult to scale five books down, isn't it? Um, five, is it? Five. Okay. The, wow. Um, very difficult to answer. Like the favourite comedy sketch, favourite moment in your life, happiest moment. What's the happiest moment in your life? It's very difficult to scale it down. To let us, uh, um, to pinpoint these kind of questions, these things. But if I had to, if I had to, say what my five five favourite books would probably be the ones that I've read the most. So number one, as I've said before, would be the Enid Blyton Folk of the Faraway Tree series for reasons I've already explained. Uh -huh. um, number two would be The Road Less Travelled by M. Scott Peck. It's a bit like a Bible to me, really, in a way that if I need to try and sort my head out a little bit, when my head gets really jumbled, this book is just great. It sorts it all out for me. It answers so many questions in such brilliant layman's terms, for me anyway, personally, that I can I can co totally get my head around this book. I, get my head around it. I love it. Um, number three... Definitely, would I would have to say Jilly Cooper's Riders. Read it, reread it, read it again, and read it again. Brilliant characters, definite page turner. Just completely loved the main character Rupert Campbell Black, who didn't. What a bastard! Great, great book. Um, four would be Hippopotamus Stephen Fry. I think this is just so so funny for me with for that the sense of humor in it I have got a twisted sense of humor warped and I just read it and laughed my ass off even now I can just pick it up read it and laugh my ass off even though I know it's going to happen it's just it, that is that for me is that is my that's a good one excellent one and um Probably one of my oldest as well would be number five, uh, John Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men. I read this one a long time ago, well, when I was at school, and I loved it. It resonated with me some for some reason, I don't know why. I actually wrote 10 A4 pages on it, why I loved it so much, and my teacher at the time said that she felt that I'd obviously enjoyed the book and I did I, I really really did it basically touched my heart in a simple way but in a way even the Lennies of today are always laughed always judged and so the book for me it's timeless it's it's still poignant nowadays a very mm -hmm. subtle book but very heartfelt very sad very joyous and just a really lovely book nice okay Thank you. Thank you, Trixie. And uh, it's been really nice. Thank you as well. I've enjoyed it. It's been yeah. funny. And lovely weather. Very nice weather. Lovely Most sunshine. Of the time. Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right. Thank you.